You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm just so thrilled that you could join me for this episode today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In this episode, I've got kind of a special Mother's Day treat for you. Christy Wright is here on the podcast today. And Christy and I discuss her newest devotional, Living True 40 Days to Get Back to You. The thing I really loved about this devotional, but also this conversation, is that Christy has a solid grasp on how understanding who God is helps us to understand ourselves better and then helps us to see where we're at and where we're going. And all of those things are very near and dear to my heart and are really the basis of the podcast here. And so that's a fun tie-in. But then on top of that, Christy's also the daughter of a single mom and really understands what it is to be going through this season and to be fighting to discover who you are again and who God is and to take a hold of the life that he still has planned for you. In this conversation, Christy talks about how understanding who we were designed to be and getting to know our truest selves first starts with understanding the character of God. And that in that and in discovering ourselves and who he designed us to be, that we can also then start to look towards our future with some hope and some excitement. And I know that when you've been through some difficult things, it might be hard to do that. And we talk a little bit about that and being able to just dream again. And so I really feel that this conversation will be just such a gift as you move into this Mother's Day weekend. In the past, I have struggled to see myself as God sees me. And because of that, I've had wrong thoughts about myself and other people that had contributed to these long-term feelings of loneliness. And I've created a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you'll take that quiz and it takes just a couple of minutes, you'll have the ability to identify maybe some of those similar thought processes that are keeping you stuck under long-term chronic loneliness. But then you'll also receive some solutions on how you can start to make changes to that. Again, if you'd like to take that quiz, it's over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Christy Wright. Christy Wright is a number one national best-selling author, personal development expert, and host of The Christy Wright Show. Since 2009, Christy has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches on personal development, business, and faith. What I love about Christy's approach to faith and personal development is that it is not just a bunch of hype. It's not overly rah-rah. Christy gets what it is to have to figure these things out, to figure out who you are in the midst of struggle and difficulty. But what I love that she does, though, is that in validating our experiences, she gives us hope in pointing us back to the God who is bigger than it all. Here is my conversation with Christy Wright. 
Christy, I'm excited to sit down with you today and have this conversation. You have a devotional that's out recently, and I'm so thrilled because it's at the intersection of knowing more about God and how that relates to knowing more about ourselves. And that's something that myself and many of the listeners, we're right in the thick of that right now. Yeah. We've been through some difficult things, and we want to know again, who is God really, and who are we to Him, and yeah. how do those things come together? And in your book, you you talk about how those things do relate, and that knowing God helps to know ourselves, and knowing ourselves can help us to know God. Yeah. So as we start, you do have in your devotional the sections of the book, yeah. and it is divided up into knowing God, knowing ourselves, knowing yeah. where we are and where we're going. Yeah. And so to lay that framework, though, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about how God revealed some of His character and His care for you and even the smallest desires. And you point to it in a story about your dog passing mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know if you would start us off by kind of establishing that groundwork for knowing more about God. About that specific story? Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for having me, Michelle. This yeah. is so fun. And um, gosh, I just love to get to have conversations that people are able to listen to, and it initiates time with God or God speaking to them in a way that they um, didn't expect or wouldn't have had otherwise. So thanks for what you do. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. So the story that I think you're referring to, because I actually write about my dog Jackson That's multiple true. times throughout the, the book. Mm-hmm. There's a couple threads that I pull through the whole thing. Yeah. But um, I share a story of when he when he passed away. Um, he was 11 and a half years old. He was a Bernese Mountain Dog, and their lifespan is seven to 10 years. So he lived well beyond his oh, lifespan. Wow. But he was my baby before I had babies. Like he was, he was with me through boyfriends and breakups and moves and college and all in my 20s. And um, Obviously, I you know even though he had a great long life, I was I was heartbroken whenever um, his time was up. Well, my husband and I, when we left the vet that day, I realized that I'd never gotten a print of his paw, which mm-hmm. seems silly, I know, in the grand scheme of things. But you know, he was such a big part of my life, and and I honestly learned things about God through him. And I wrote about some of those examples yeah. in, the, in the in the devotional. But I got home and I just cried and cried and cried. Not only that he was gone, but that I hadn't gotten something to keep yeah. from him. So fast forward about a week later, um, I got a card in the mail, and it was written in my aunt's handwriting, my Aunt Faith. And so I knew it was from her, and I just figured it was like a random, how you doing card or, or whatever. Um, but I opened it up, and it was actually a sympathy card. And it wasn't from my Aunt Faith. She, they just apparently had the same handwriting. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was from the vet, and it was all the signatures of everyone that worked in the office of a sympathy card of Jackson, and there was a print of his paw. Hmm. And... It was in that moment, and that's one example of the countless I have in my life, of how personal our God is. And I think sometimes, um, especially if we're feeling distant from God or we've had some time apart from God, we see God as this big, scary judge in the clouds that's so far from us. And the reality is He reminds us He is personal, He is specific to each of us, and He is right here with us. And I think that totally transforms how you see Him, how you see your relationship with Him, and even how you see yourself when you realize He's not up there. He's right here, and it's not for everyone. He's all mine. He's all yours. I love the, the quote, I think it's Elizabeth Elliot, where she said, an infinite God can give all of Himself to each of His children. He doesn't have to divide himself so that each may have a part, but to each he gives himself as fully as if there are no others. Wow. So he's all yours. Yeah. And he's all mine. And we don't have to share. And so I think that personal attribute um, can really transform your relationship with him. Yeah. And I love that. And we tend to think these things are silly. And I think a lot of us have those moments where I was like, oh, it's just a silly little thing. But God knew specifically the comfort that you would cherish in that moment. And 
as you tell the story, you're like, well, it's this kind of small little thing. But I can even think of things like, wow, you know, I, I was praying like, Lord, could there be a parking spot? I'm in a, I'm in a yes. rush. And it's like, there was a parking spot, That's you right. know, and it's like, he's that present yes. in these little things so we can trust him with those very big things. And when life goes awry, it's re, it's getting a new understanding of God's character and his care mm-hmm. and seeing it again and again and realizing it will be there for us in the future. But it's not easy to grab onto when right. there's been some difficult things that have happened. Now, as far, though, as how that translates to knowing ourselves and knowing He is this deeply personal God, how should that influence the way then that we do see ourselves? And how would we live from that if we could really believe, as you say, like He is all there for us, that He has chosen Yes. Yeah. Well, I would love to even zoom out, too, and kind of give you the backstory of the, the outline of the book, too, like you said, because yeah. all of it, I feel like, is very um, intentional in why we talk about who God is before we talk about who we are, before. Mm-hmm. Where we talk about where we are in our season and where we talk about where we're going. Um, I think, you know, this this idea of get back to yourself, you know, that's this tagline, 40 days to get back to you. Those words are words that I have felt at different seasons of my life. And I'll give you just a couple examples. Yeah. I remember being in my 20s and I was what, uh, I, I realized that I was the one thing that all of my friends were not, which was single. They were all married. I had been a bridesmaid 497 times. <laughs> and in that season of singleness in my 20s, um, to be honest, I felt lonely. I felt forgotten. And I felt like that that label defined me. Mm-hmm. And in, in any kind of season, whether it's a season of singleness or a season of a really hard job or a really hard um, season with your child or whatever that season is, sometimes those seasons can be so consuming that you have that feeling of like, where am I in my own life? I feel like I've lost myself. Yes. Similarly, in motherhood, I have lost myself in motherhood many times. And so regardless of the reason, I think we can all get to this place of feeling like you lose yourself and you're going, who am I? Where am I in my own life? And so I was actually um, pregnant with my third daughter, my third child, my daughter, Mary Grace, um, a couple years ago. And I was on a plane and really had a heart and a calling and a prompting to write this devotional. I've never written a devotional before. Mm. I had written my book, Business Boutique, in 2017. So this is a couple years later. And I'm on this flight and I'm super pregnant. And I had kind of pitched my idea here in our company, Ramsey Solutions, and the publishing team said, well, give, give us an outline. You know, give us an outline of what would you say? Mm-hmm. And I was like, right. What would I say about <laughs> You get back to yourself. Uh, I should, I should figure that out. Um, and so I sat down on this plane, and I was like, I need to put to get together a one, like a outline, yeah. one, one page outline to pitch to them this idea. And so I opened up my computer, my laptop, and I opened up a blank Microsoft Word document, and I just prayed. And I was like, Lord, how do you do that? I know mm. you're telling me to write a devotional, and I know we're going to talk about the topic of get back to you. I know that's the pain point so many women feel yeah. for different reasons and different seasons. How do you do it? And I felt God give me. These four things in that order, I typed them out exactly as they are in the book. I did not edit, change, rearrange, rethink anything. I I felt God say, you need to know who God is, who I am. You need to know who you are, where you are, and where you're going. Mm -hmm. And as I was faithful to that structure that God gave me on that plane that day, it's been amazing how He has breathed life into the depth of that. Yeah. Even 40, the number 40 is such a biblical number. Yeah. 10 is a number of completion. When you look at the the examples in Scripture of 40 and how it's typically a season of transformation, you mm. begin and end the 40 days differently. Mm. And, and when you look at that, then you say, okay, well, why do we start with who God is? And to your point of being God being personal, why do we start with who God is? Well, there's two main reasons we start there instead of start, starting with looking at ourselves. Yeah. 
Number one, the most obvious is we are made in the image of God. So if you want to know who you are, the best way to know who you are is to know the one that you are made in the image of. Mm. So anytime we try to just start by looking at ourselves, even if we think we know ourselves so well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a fragmented picture. Yeah. And so you start with getting to know God. Okay, if this is God, this is who He is, who He says He is, is what He says is about Himself and His Word, as you get to know Him— Later, you're able to see yourself more clearly, the mm-hmm. one that you're made in the image of. Mm-hmm. The second reason is similar, and that is that even though we think we know ourselves so well, God knows us better. And so the best way to get to know who we are, who we're created to be, who we were that maybe we lost, is to ask our Creator, the one that created us, the one that knit us together in our mother's womb, the one that knows us better than anybody. Because even if I have all the plans and dreams in the world for my future, God knows those plans better than I do. And so we really start there with who God is and then move into who you are and what He says about you Mm -hmm. and go on from there. But I think that order— is incredibly important. I agree. And I think it then becomes something that's more like I'm looking into a mirror to see a reflection of God in myself. And when I understand who He is, then I can start to pick out those parts that He's put inside of me versus trying to just go search the whole world and, you know, with a fine-tooth comb trying to say, well, am I this? Am I that? And all that kind of thing. And that can send us off in so many different wrong directions. Yeah. It also helps combat comparison. Yeah. Because Mm. when God shows you who you are and He's like, oh, the fact that you love to sing, your beautiful singing voice, like, I gave you that. Or the fact that you, you know, light up and get excited about spreadsheets and organizing, like, I gave you that. (laughs) You know, those things, it gives you confidence in how you're created. Mm. And still, instead of feeling selfish about those things or sorry for those things or guilty about those things or wishing those things looked more like someone else's things or gifts or talents, you, you start to embrace and appreciate your design and your creation and your giftings, and it gives you a different level of confidence in who you are mm-hmm. because you see it, at, to your point, as a reflection of what God has designed you to yeah. do, how He created you to be. Yeah, yeah. And in that, I think also then comes that realization that you're loved, that mm-hmm. you're unique to God, that you had a specific purpose and were designed and ordained to be here at a specific time for a specific reason. And you point to that in the devotional that— the single most fundamental thing for us in discovering ourselves is to know that we are loved. So many of us, though, do struggle with whatever's happened in our past with being able to grab onto that truth. But it can be so fully transformational. So as far as that being the basis for the way that we would live out of, then what would we—if we could really absorb that, what would we expect to see in the way that we would live out that truth, if we could really grab onto that fact of like, wow, I am loved. Yeah. And I think I would I would even expound on that just for the purpose of our conversation yeah. today, because I think some people listening might go, oh, yeah, I'm loved. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm loved. The Bible says that. I hear that in church every week. Jesus loves me this. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> what I would say for everyone listening today, especially those that have had heartbreak in the past or disappointment or divorce or whatever those things are, I would say that you are loved not just loved. I want to go go on beyond that for this for this today. You are loved completely. You are loved unconditionally. You are loved relentlessly. Um, God's love for you will never give up on you. It will never walk out on you. Mm-hmm. It will never stop pursuing you. It will always be enough for you. It is enough to carry you in the depths of your sadness. It surrounds you in your tears. It is your strength when you feel like you have none left at the end of the day. His love is so much more than a Sunday school song for you. And I think for 
so many women that have gone through divorce or disappointment. My mom was a single mom. She raised me from the time that I was six months old when her and my dad split with $64 to her name. Mm. And I I saw so much of um, the front row seat that I had to my mom being a single mom and running a business. There was so much guilt there was so much shame. There was so much regret. She tried to compensate for the fact that my dad wasn't there by doing this or that or the other. And I would just say, in 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 light of this conversation about that you are loved, mm-hmm. you are you are loved enough. You you are enough. There is not a single part of your story that is too big or too broken or too hard for God. I love how Scripture says it's anything too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And you are enough for your child. You are enough for the story. You are enough for this life. You, you, there is nothing about you that is a mistake. Mm. And and when you remember that and live from that that type of love, that whole complete, relentlessly pursuing love then it allows you to sit back a little bit, let your shoulders relax and go, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing a good job. Okay. I got this. Okay. Strength for just today. Okay, Lord, like you and me together, we got this. And, um, and I would just encourage the women listening from that perspective. Don't, don't brush past the statement that you are loved. Take that even further and, and claim that truth for your life and then live from that truth and let that, mm-hmm. let that pour into everything that you do. And, and most of all, how you see yourself. Yeah. Wow. You, you put that in such a way that it's like hearing it for the first time again. You know, it's you can never hear it enough. I feel mm-hmm. like there's yeah. just something about hearing it again and again and again mm-hmm. in a new way, in a different way that just oh, it fires me up. It makes yeah. me feel like, yes, let's go out and do this. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but I will say, you know, when it comes to the where we are, mm-hmm. it is easy to get stuck there. And mm-hmm. it is easy to really start identifying ourselves with our circumstances. And I do appreciate, though, that you are so adamant about saying, like, where you are is not who you are. Right. But it can shape who you become. Right. And you point to that with your mother. And I've read a couple of your blog posts, and in one of them, you talk about the fact that she did struggle, and mm-hmm. she struggled in front of you, but that it helped to shape who you became. Yeah. And so I want to know if you'd just expand on that a little bit yeah. about you know, how struggle and where she was, how that actually influenced who she became, but then also who you became as well. Yeah. So it's funny because if you, so I'm a child of the eighties, right? And mm-hmm. um, there was a Same. blog, uh, there was a blog <laughs> I read a while back that was just this funny conversation between parents today. So, you know, us and parents of the eighties, yeah. parents of the eighties, they didn't worry about anything, no. man. Like, they didn't worry about, they weren't cutting up our lunches. We were eating school lunches. They weren't worrying about gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. Like they were just like locking us out of the house, letting us fend for ourselves. They're and like, we were drinking from the hose. Yeah, totally. You're like, you're going to sleep in the back of the van with no seats, whatever. Yeah, like yeah, we're gonna yeah. make it. And yeah. so it's so funny because I feel like my generation, like we are so stressed about doing everything perfect and looking perfect. And oh my gosh, all the rules and regulations. And am I mm. facilitating my child's happiness? And am I facilitating their brain development? If I was, oh my God, like I'm play yeah. dates and blah, blah, blah. Yes. All the things. Well, it's funny when I look back on my mom, like she wasn't worried about any of that stuff. And she really just um she's such a survivor and mm. she's so scrappy and she's a persistent, incredibly persevering woman that she's like, I'm just going to make it work. I'm going to figure out, make it work. I'm going to, you know, whatever the thing is. And so for me, that model shaped who I am. Mm. So she actually didn't insulate me from struggle at all. She couldn't. She was a single mom running a business. Like I know many people are listening right now. Mm -hmm. She couldn't insulate me from struggle. And I think she may have felt a little guilt about that at the time. But I look back and I am so grateful for that because when she 
got to the cake shop, for example, three in the morning and I was with her and someone had broken in and we didn't know if that person, that robber or thief or whatever was still inside. Mm -hmm. Like I was with her in that struggle. When we had a flat tire in the rain, when I was a child on the side of the road, I was with her in that struggle. And it was struggle after struggle after struggle that I was in it with her, overcoming Mm -hmm. with her that developed the character qualities in me that, Michelle, there's there's hardly anything that comes my way that I'm like, we can figure it out. We can figure out. Not because my mom insulated me in a Pinterest perfect childhood. It was because I figured it out before. I watched a woman figure it out. So I would just say to everyone watching right now that they feel guilty that their child sees them struggle. I just want you to know, I didn't make it despite the struggle. I made it because Mm. of the struggle. It's the struggle that built me and shaped the character qualities that we all want for our children. Those character qualities are not developed in a Pinterest perfect home or classroom. It doesn't come in a craft box. It's not something you just label and it happens one time. It's happened through your life as you overcome together. And I am forever grateful for who mom shaped me to be by letting me be a part of that. And so I think for anyone listening that feels like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bringing my child to work with me early in the morning, whatever the thing is I have to do to survive. I'm just like, I just want you to know, like, your kids are going to make it and yeah. they're going to make it not despite what you're doing, but because of what you're doing. Oh, that is, those are stories I don't think they get told nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. just hit me right in my mama heart because yeah. it is those things where, man, this life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. No, this is, you know, the things that they're facing and the things that they have to deal with, they're not the things that I had to deal with. And so I'm trying to figure out how to help them deal with it. At the same time, I'm dealing with my own stuff. And there's just something that feels so unfair about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, as you're saying, I'm like, your mom and I would probably be buddies. Because it's like, you do learn that tenacity, though. You learn what God has put inside of you. You learn that you can make it. And actually, the world is hard. So Mm -hmm. wherever we got this idea that we could just like curate our way through it, I don't know, but it's like the generations before us knew that there was going to be struggle in life. I mean, the depression had happened, you know, and that kind of stuff. And they just knew they had to be resourceful and they had to be tenacious. And that was something that was prized, you know, having grit. And I think um, it just hearing you, though, so passionately talk about the journey with your mom and the things that you learned from watching her, it just renews that sense in me that, like, this is all for purpose. This is all God turning things for good, for my good, but for my kids' good, too. Yes, and I would say, I love how you said that, because I was just thinking, I think we need to redefine good. In, Mm. in, In our culture, it's like we have this idea, similar to what you were saying about insulating, we have that, this idea that if something is hard, it's bad. Yeah. Hard is bad. Easy is good. If something is hard, no, hard things can be good things. And, um, you know, when I look back on my childhood, I see my childhood so different than my mom does. Mm. My mom sees guilt, regret, where she messed up, where she made mistakes, like so many of us do. Yeah. I look back, I'm like, oh, you remember that time we got caught in the rain and we had to change that? <laughs> you remember that time that we got a Christmas tree and we had the top down on your Volkswagen convertible, 1968 yellow Volkswagen convertible, the top is down, tree sticking up, starts raining, we start popping up umbrella, like ridiculous, crazy stories. Yeah. That that was like the backdrop to my childhood mm. that I love. And I see that even in my own kids. It's not uh, Carter's Pinterest perfect party that he talks about all the time. You know what he talks about? He talks about the time we got locked out of the house and we had to stick him yeah. through a window and hoist him up. And he had to go around. And I'm like, he's like, I had to go around and save yeah. the day for everybody. Yeah. The, that's what makes memories. That's real life. That's what builds character. It builds bonds between family. And so I would just say, instead of uh, fighting a guilt against it or feeling guilty for it, embrace it and appreciate what is happening in your family with you, with your kids and yourself and your relationship with the Lord as He provides for you and builds that um 
that those disciplines, that character, that perseverance, that resilience in you, um, it's certainly not always fun at the time and you'd rather yeah. it just go perfectly. But <laughs> I just I, I just want to encourage people, um, hard is not bad. Hard yeah. can be good too. Mm, that's good. I'm like, we need to hashtag that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. When it comes to being able to look towards the future though, so as we're talking about, okay, I'm in this right now, this is where I'm at and I can grow through it and all that kind of thing. But then sometimes looking at the future, though, is still scary because, and I fall victim to this all the time, if I look backwards, there's a lot of yucky stuff back there. And so it's easy to say, well, there's probably going to be more yucky stuff in the future. And as we're talking about, yeah, there is going to be challenge. But you encourage us to look for it, but then also to get our hopes up. And I have to be honest, on one hand, it's extremely encouraging to have someone say to you, get your hopes up, girl. And then on the other hand, it's like, but that's how right. do I do that? That's you know, right. it, like, how do I really let go? And I think that's the thing is we get in these comfortable spaces of anxiety or worry or disappointment and just say, well, you know, it's easier for me to not get my hopes up. So right. how do we shift where we're like, yeah, I'm expecting something. I'm getting my hopes up. Something good could happen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, totally. Without you even saying that, I would know that the fourth section would be the hardest for mm-hmm. people listening mm-hmm. because you've had your heart broken. Yeah. Because things haven't turned out how you expected. So whereas someone else that maybe doesn't have that past or that um, extreme of a circumstance where they've been, their heart has been broken, they've been devastated, a tragedy, whatever that thing is, Mm -hmm. the enemy can get in and torment them with fear of like, what if this happens? What if this happens? So they have to combat the fear. Yeah. But what's so much more difficult for someone that has gone through a heartbreak is when the enemy comes in with those voices, he has proof. Yeah. Remember? Yep. Remember when that person did that? Remember how that turned out? That didn't turn out so well. So, you know, and it's like he has proof to point to that makes such a strong case against faith, Mm. a strong case against God's goodness. And I think what is so challenging for all of us, but specifically for people that have had their heart broken, regardless of if it happened in adulthood or even like I have wounds from my childhood that I still, as embarrassing as it is— combat as a 38-year-old woman, mm-hmm. um, wounds with my dad, wounds that I've gone through them. Like, if I tell the story, I cry. I'm like, I should be over this. And you, wounds don't—you don't just get over them. But here's what I hold to. In Scripture, it never says, please be more practical. Please be more logical. Would you all please be more level-headed? The 11th commandment, please be more level-headed. That's not anywhere in Scripture. It never commands us to be more practical, logical, level-headed, common sense, reasoned, all those things that we claim as adults are our basis for not having faith. Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I've got to guard my heart. I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to be let down and disappointed. All of that makes sense mm-hmm. in life because to your point is life is hard and mm-hmm. you you have hard, your heart broken and it, it can be broken again. But what you go back to when you see in Scripture, it doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say, please don't get your hopes up. It says, get your hopes up. I am the God of hope. Mm. 
That's it, it says, I am the God. Our hope is in Him. And so when we see again and again that it says, have faith, by faith, you know, believe that God is who He says He is, believe in the one that He sent. And it tells you repeatedly who He is and repeatedly what He says about you and what He says about His plans for you. His plans for you are good, not to harm you, but to prosper you. Now, of course, you and I both know that doesn't mean that things are always going to turn out how you want. It doesn't even mean that every prayer is going to be answered in the way or the time that you want it to be answered. But all I know is that without exception, God wants us to believe that He is good, Mm. He is for us, He knows everything, He can do anything, and His plans for us are good. His, His future for us is good. Our hope is in Him, not in our circumstances anyway. So for that... On the high level, you could be all Sunday school and like, well, yes, we do have hope in eternity. Yeah, but I mean, even today. Yeah. I mean, even in that job you're applying for. Right. I mean, even the dreams you have in your child. Will they be fulfilled? I don't know. Could your heart be broken? Yeah, it could. But all I know is God is going, would you hold your life with open hands? Would you trust me with it? Mm. I'll, I'll share with you the thing that I shared in... Uh, the intro to section four, which is incredibly personal about, you know, being pregnant and, and all of that kind of story. But here's what the biggest aha moment that I felt the Lord gave me in this season of feeling vulnerable and holding my hopes like this and not wanting to be disappointed. I felt God say, because I, I was I was saying to God, you know, helping him understand. <laughs> I'm so good at that. He and I have um, a similar well, relationship. Know a few things. I had to update him. Um, in church one day, I was saying to God, I just got to guard my heart. I had this thing I hoped for and wanted. I said, I've just got to guard my heart. I've just got to guard my heart. And I literally, as crazy as it sounds, I felt the Lord interrupt my thoughts and say, you never guard your heart with me. Mm. I created your heart. I know what to do with every desire I have given you. And I know what to do with every broken piece when you're disappointed. Never guard your heart with me. And get your hopes up. I am the God of hope. Get your hopes way up. As vulnerable as that is, and Michelle, I'll be super transparent and try not to cry. I'm in a season of that right now. I have a new hope about something with one of my kids, and it feels vulnerable because it's not being answered, and it's not as fast as I want, and I don't know if it'll ever be answered, but God is going, would you still, as painful and difficult and vulnerable as it is, I'm just asking you to believe that I am who I say I am, I can do what I say I can do, and to hold your life and your heart with an open hands. Would you be honest with me? Would you bring your desires to me about what you want for yourself, your kids, your family, your future? Be honest about that. You can trust me with it. I promise you I can handle it. And I don't know how it's going to turn out for me, for you, for my son, for my dreams, your dreams, anyone that's listening. I don't know that. What I do know is that God asks us to trust Him with our desires. Our only job is to be honest about them and bring them to Him. That's it. We don't have to control it. We don't have to predict it. But I think that we are missing out on seeing God's provision, and we're missing out on becoming more Christ-like and growing in our faith when we use our past heartbreak as an excuse mm. to keep us from a life of faith. Wow. And I'm not saying that past heartbreak is not real. Yeah. It is real. Yeah. But God is bigger than that, and your feelings are real, and your concern is real, and that is total—I totally get it. And Scripture still says, get your hopes up. And we can discipline ourselves to do things that are hard because God tells us who He is and who we are in Him. And so it's one of those things that— you discipline yourself to do even when you don't feel it, even when you don't want to, even when it's hard, because God says, this is who I am. I created your heart, and you can bring your heart to me. I promise you I can handle it. I'm tearing up as you're saying all this because it's just it's hitting me where I'm at right now, yeah. and I appreciate you sharing where you're at because it is something really so many of us, we're going through it. If we would just talk about it, I think that would help us, too, to understand like we can— 
see those times where God's been faithful. We can see the times that we've been hurt and recognize that in this together, as we walk through this together, we can be strengthened and encouraged by always remembering who God really is. And when I can't remember it, I'm hearing you say it. Yeah. And it's bringing new life into me. And knowing that you're saying it out of a pain place too. Yeah. You're saying yeah. these truths because you're having to tell yourself the same thing. Right. And you've got people who are telling you the same right. thing. And it's like, we're just passing it all on. And I think the thing is we are so often looking at our circumstances, circumstances of past, circumstances of future. And we don't realize that by fixating on that, we are not getting our hopes up in what God wants to do in our life. We're getting our hope up in a circumstance. Right. And I think the other thing that's that's challenging, especially for people that have had their heart broken um, and are living, they're still holding on to that pain. They're going, God, I'll trust you with all this, but not that. Mm-hmm. I'll trust you with this, but not with that desire. No. Uh, let me use an example. I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe this is someone listening. I don't ever want to get married again. No. Mm-mm. No, I don't trust men. Mm-hmm. He walked out on me. He broke my heart. Never again. Never again. I'll never do that again. And in the quietness of their heart, they do want that. Mm. And I just want to say to that person, whatever that is for you, if it's that or if it's something else, there's freedom through the wound. But you have to go to the wound to find that freedom. The Lord will meet you there, but He will meet you through the wounds. You can't bypass it. You can't pretend it's not there. You can't lie to Him about it and say, oh, I don't care. I don't care about that thing. I don't really care. When you care deeply, yeah, and I know it hurts. It hurts to even acknowledge it just to God, just between you and Him. It feels so vulnerable to go, oh, I actually do. I actually do desire that. And that feels really hurt, hard to admit. And it feels vulnerable and it feels scary because I don't know if it's going to happen. And I was really hurt before and I, I don't trust people. And, and all of that is true. But I just want you to know when it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I believe that truth is not just the truth of Scripture. It is the truth of who you are, what God has for you, and how He created you to be. And that is the truth that is in your heart. And your heart doesn't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Your heart knows what it wants. And God is drawing that out. He is fanning that flame. And I would just say, that thing that comes to mind when I say, you'll give him everything except that. Mm -hmm. What is your that? Mm -hmm. What is the thing you're hiding from him, denying, downplaying, pretending it's not there? That's the thing he wants. That's the place he wants to meet you. That's the place he's going to set you free. Yeah. You know, and I'm learning a new discipline. Um, I tend to be on the other side of it where it's like, I'll come to God and I'll say, okay, God, well, I know you're going to do something with this. It hurts, but I know, you you know, and Mm -hmm. and it's very, it's still very tidy. And um, in the last few weeks, it's been reading Job and realizing I want to ask God why. And I know that I Mm -hmm. won't necessarily receive an answer, but I just want to say that. Can I just say to you, be honest about it? That's right. Can I just say, I don't understand? I don't need you to answer it. I'm okay. I understand. I trust that you have this. But just right now, I feel really bad. So can I just say that to you? And there there is so much freedom in saying, I don't understand you. Mm -hmm. I want to, but I don't know how. Mm -hmm. And in even just accepting that about myself— I can hear his voice more clearly again. That's right. And I can hear those those words of encouragement so much more clearly. Job says the same things. He says, My past is gone and my desires and all of this, like, now what? You know? Yeah. And in there, there's encouragement about how in our affliction we're set free. Mm-hmm. And so it's recognizing I'm being afflicted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being yeah. able to say, God, I feel afflicted right being now. Being honest about it, yeah. Yeah, but recognizing. He's meeting us in that process. Um, And there's still so much growth of faith that can occur. It feels like doubt. It feels like I'm stepping to the line of doubt. But really what it is is now I'm getting real. Mm -hmm. I'm getting getting solid in saying, I actually trust you. And I need to show you what I'm scared of so that I can trust you more with it. Rather than 
either avoiding it or slapping a neat, tidy little, but God loves me, you know, kind of response on it and not really getting into the deep part of it. Well, I think as women too, I mean, even in the practical sense, we are so tempted to perform Mm -hmm. for each other. Look how I've got it together and I'm fine and I'm happy and my house is great and I'm great and ignore that closet that things are falling out (laughs) of. And my children just ignore them killing each other right here. Like we just perform all the time. And, you know, I think if we're not careful, we will try to perform for God. Mm -hmm. And even in our private time, we'll be like, okay, God, like whatever your will is, I just trust your will. But we are not saying the words of our heart. We are not being honest. We don't really trust His will. We're not really feeling that. And I think God can handle all of our crazy emotions. He can handle all of our—I can't tell you how often God has either spoken something to me or led whatever the thing is, and I wrestle with Him, and I argue with Him. And that may seem like sacrilegious, but I think there is something beautiful about the intimacy and the childlike faith of going like, are you sure this doesn't make sense? And and you see— Tons of example in scriptures of people, heroes of the Bible that wrestled with God, that argued with God, that debated with God and, and, and with Jesus. And it's like, He is so kind and gracious. He will help you get there. Yeah. He's not going to go, well, you didn't get it first try. Failed. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. He's like, yeah. let me help you get there. Let me help you understand. Let me say it in another way. Let me say it 400 more times till you finally get it. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. He's so patient, <laughs> so patient with us. <laughs> he does not get annoyed with us, thankfully, yeah. but He is so patient. And so you can be honest and bring those fears or frustrations or why did you do that or what about that or I'll be honest I want to trust you here but I don't right now and yeah. I and I know you're good but this doesn't feel good and yeah. you know I know you say your future's good but I don't have a lot of proof from my past and just be honest about that yep. because there's something so beautiful in that intimacy and he will meet you right there it's it's not too much for him in fact I think there's something so beautiful in the childlike faith when we stop performing and giving him our Sunday school answers and we get raw and real about where we are what we think and how we feel yeah and I think it's okay to also have it ebb and flow that there may be times we feel so strong oh for sure i totally trust god and then there are other times where we may feel like wow i'm having a crisis of faith right now totally and just being genuine he's there for all of it that's right you know and i think that's where we get shamed or guilty feeling is like but if i'm a perfect like if i'm being a good christian like i gotta trust god all the time and it's like he's in the struggle with us and that's where he's pulling us into something new and something greater he's revealing more of himself he's revealing more of us and it just kind of keeps going around but man i don't know why it's like if we just expected it i think we'd feel a lot better about it (laughs) we just again we've kind of gotten to this really squeaky clean kind of space about christianity and it's like no man like it's it's going to broken places, broken people, and it's okay if you're the broken person. That's right. He's there for you, too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So as far as the future, though, so we're talking about wrestling about those things of of the past and how they influence the future. In the devotional, you tell a story about your son getting strapped in to go to have ice <laughs> yeah. cream. And— it is a great correlation to the way that we maybe even tend to see our lives and our future and God in it. So I yeah. want to know if you would highlight that story for yes. us and just how that can help us to to really have a different perspective on how we look towards the future. Yes. Well, my son Carter, when he was about two years old, he went through this phase where he hated his car seat. Normally, he'd sleep in the car and he'd be really great in the car. Um, but it was this phase where it's like the moment you try to put him in, he just literally, his whole body goes stiff and he's screaming his head off and you're strapping it. It's just a miserable ride, whether you're going two miles or 20 or two hours, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. And there was one day 
Uh, it was a really beautiful day in January um, here in Tennessee. It was like 70 degrees. So my husband and I decided to take him to get ice cream and go to the park. And, you know, he's two, so he doesn't understand a ton of language at that point yeah. and couldn't communicate. But we loaded him up, and he just screamed his head off. <laughs> he just screamed his head off the whole way to ice cream, the whole way to the park. And I'm like, buddy, we're going to the park. We're going to get ice cream. You know, this is so great. Like, you love the park. And he just screamed he's his just head screaming. off. He just screamed his head off the whole time. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, now Mary Grace screams her head off nonstop. She just hates the car her whole life. It's yeah. not a phase. This is her yeah. regular yeah. routine. <laughs> I've uh, had one of those. <laughs> that's right. Um, so anyway, I just had this moment that day of thinking about how often I act like that in my faith walk where God is taking me somewhere awesome, somewhere with my version of ice cream and parks and swings mm. and playgrounds. And I'm just screaming my head off because I don't like how we're getting there. And I don't like the seat I'm in. I don't like the route. I don't like the view. I don't like the process. And I feel God going, oh, sweet child, if you only knew where we're going, if you only knew that where we're going is so good, you wouldn't mind this short ride that you don't like in a seat you don't like. Could you just trust me with where we're going? And I think that's a good word for us um, because a lot of us are in seats or seasons that we don't like and we can't see where we're going and we don't understand what God's saying, so similar to Carter. But because we know who God is and we know that He's good and we know the future He has for us is good, we can see where we are with a different perspective. Yeah. It's a snapshot. It's not mm-hmm. the whole picture. I know that when you're in a hard season, or even if you're in a great season, but specifically when you're in a hard season, it feels like it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's ever been pregnant, Listen, you think you're going to be pregnant forever. You know that actually cannot happen. Yeah. The baby's coming out, but you feel like you're going to be pregnant forever. You're like, I'm never going to be able to sit up again. In any moment when you're going through something really hard, it feels like that's going to last forever, but it will not. It will not. It will not always be this hard. Not with your kids, not with your heartbreak, not with your work, whatever that thing is for you. It will not always be this hard. And I just feel if we could zoom out and go, this is a season I'm going to pray for strength in the season. I'm going to find the good in the season. I'm going to make the most of the season. Or maybe I'm just going to get through this season, Mm -hmm. but it's still just a season. It's not forever. And it helps us see that this car seat we don't like is temporary (laughs) and where God's taking us is good. Yeah. I love that too, because it's just such a reminder of how big He is and how much He knows that we don't know. That's right. And it's like looking at the world through a straw. And, you know, it's like, if I only have this little view, then of course— I'm going to have a lot of questions about what's going on outside of this, but God sees everything else beyond that. And that's one of the things that's actually helped me through rejection is recognizing yeah. if this door is shut, it's because God knows more about the situation right. than I do. And where it looks unfair or looks wrong to me, He knows more than I do. And right. so if I know that He loves me, I know that He trusts me, and He's got something better beyond this, then I can just leave the rest up to him and say, there must be something really bad that he's protecting me from that I don't know about. That's right. And it's it's this it's this dance, I feel like, too, because it's like you don't want to be passive where you're like, whatever you want, God, whatever. And you're not mm. praying your desires for mm. that thing, for yeah. that door. Like, yeah. God, I want to go through this door. Yes. I don't know what you're up to, but this door feels right. It feels good. This is what I want. So you want to pray those things, and you don't want to be passive like you don't care at all, like we're talking about, but you don't want to put your hope in those things as if that's the end-all, be-all, because maybe that door is closed, and you're going, well, then you doubt God altogether. And Mm -hmm. so it's this dance of like, I guess the best way to say it is we want to put our hope in the promise or not in the promise. So sometimes if I'm not careful, I put my hope in the promise. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, you're going to do this, and I can see your hand and this and this, and this is for sure where you're leading me, and this is for sure the outcome. And, And I jump ahead, and then when that door closed, I'm like, oh. But I thought, mm-hmm. I thought you were doing this or that. And if I keep my hope in the promiser, 
God himself, then the promise can look different. The doors can open and close, and it doesn't change where my hope is. Um, But I think one of the great strategies of the enemy in this whole process, whether it's through your heartbreak or through doors being shut in your face or, or, or trying to build a big faith, which is what God asks us to have in Him, the great strategies of the enemy were the original words the serpent said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I go back to this again and again because, gosh, it, it gets me every time. The original first words he said were, did God really say did God really say He had plans for you that were good? Mm. Did God really say He promised you that? Did God really lead you there? Are you sure you heard Him right? Yeah. Planting seeds of doubt was His first strategy, and it worked then, and it works still today. And so I just would encourage anyone listening, if you're looking at, you know, you're praying for doors to be opened, or you're 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 not sure if you should pray for this thing, or you're feeling doubt and whatever, if, you, if the voice you're hearing is, did God really say, God called you to something, then it got hard? And you start to hear that voice, did God really say you should pursue that thing? Mm. If you're hearing the voice, did God really say it's not God? Mm. God doesn't talk about himself that way in the third person. <laughs> did God really say that's not him? Okay. Like on a practical level, let's just get real. Um, that's almost always the voice of the enemy mm. trying to do what he's always done, which is put a wedge of doubt between you and your creator, your father God that loves you very much. So if you're on a road and it's hard, or you're on a road and doubt's creeping up, or God called you somewhere and then things started getting difficult, don't make it doubt God or where God's leading you. Because if you have that voice of, oh, did God really say? Because you know it got hard. It's like, that's not God. That's so beautiful what you're saying. It's hitting me exactly squarely in the middle of where I am in my life right now. And it's saying, Lord, I want to dream. I want to have I want to have daydreams about wouldn't it be neat if this happened? But at the same time, I don't want to be disappointed. So right. where do I settle with, yes, dream, but stay surprisable, you know? Yes. And I feel like that's the other thing is God wants to surprise us. And that's yes. a word I feel like he's put in my heart the last few weeks is like, I want to surprise you. Yes. And it's like, okay, well, that means I don't want to dream too hard because I don't want to hope for something. And then it, instead of being surprised, I'm disappointed, right, <laughs> you right. know? But at the same time, it's like, but if I start to just loosen my grip right. on possibilities, right. then now I'm looking at, well, what if this were to happen? Or what if this were to happen? And well, God, you're more creative than me. And if that's what I came up with, and I don't need to fear because your ways are better and higher than mine. That's and you're right. way more creative than I am. So if right. even I thought of this thing and you want to surprise me, well, then— I'm still open to what you would surprise me with beyond what it is that, are, that I'm dreaming about. But it's that permission to dream after being broken and yeah, after having that's right. a significant um, upset in your life right. that there's a fine balance there between, is it okay to do this? Right. But where do I settle my heart? And so, so many of the things that you're saying as we're sitting here, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is the Lord talking to me right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think that is just the most beautiful thing, though, about community. It's the most beautiful thing mm. about this struggle because as I understand myself better, as you understand yourself better, yep. we understand God better, and we're able to share these things back yes. and forth. And it's just so—that's what how faith grows. It's yes. from faith to faith. And yes. I just so appreciate you um, diving in on that because that is just not for myself. It's so many women who are listening. It's just that ability to dream again yeah. and to know that, God does have good things for us. And That's if you right. did hear a word and you're hanging on to it and you just don't see where it's going to come from yet, it doesn't mean that that isn't still what He has That's for you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I just I always need that because 
I, I always, I'm like, a, come on, you gave me the word. Like, let's do this. <laughs> for sure. Or you're looking for proof. You're like, God said this. And then you're looking for proof in your real life because you're looking for him and you're looking for a miracle. And then like, it's the exact opposite of that. And all signs seem to point the other direction and you just start to doubt. But what's so interesting is even in scripture, you see that example where, where Jesus would give someone a word, God would give someone a word. And then it's not that like, and then it was a perfect path to yes, success. Right. And they <laughs> ran across the finish line victoriously. No, then it got really hard. Like, let's mm. use the example. Um, it's in the gospels. Jesus is feeding thousands of people. People are getting healed. Uh, people are coming to to know Christ, and it's just like thousands and thousands. It's miracles. It's revival. All this. Okay, just to p- picture the scene. Mm-hmm. In the middle of this, in the middle of this revival, in the middle of people being healed and, and people being fed and all the things, Jesus stops it all, goes to the water's edge, puts his disciples in a boat, and sends them into the storm. Mm-hmm. Sends them mm-hmm. into a storm. Now, I don't know about you, Michelle, but if I am the disciples— <laughs> And we're in this, like, revival. Yeah. I'd be like, Jesus, oh, you're confused. See, the party's here. Yeah. This is where life change is happening. This is the better use of our time. Mm-hmm. This is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. This is where everything is good and right. And this this, you're, this is your plan, right? Your plan is here because your plan is awesome. And we are always, it's always doing really good, wonderful things. There's, he sends them. He doesn't go with them. Mm-hmm. They're in the boat. The storm starts raging. And if I'm them, I start thinking, did God really say? Mm-hmm. Did Jesus, did we hear him right? We went from revival to being in a storm by ourselves in the dark of night. Did he send us here? Mm -hmm. And he comes walking to them on the water. He's showing his mastery over the wind and the waves, over the very thing they're terrified of. He comes to them in the thick of the night. Don't you know that that moment when they are terrified and he comes out showing his mastery over the very thing they're terrified of, that built their faith as much, if not more, in a personal way than the revival that was happening on the hillside. And I think sometimes when, when you're in a storm, you're there by yourself. You're looking around going, I don't see God anywhere. Did I hear him right? Are you sure I was supposed to get in this boat? This got really hard. I feel abandoned. We were doing good things back there. That job was easier. That relationship was easier. Mm-hmm. Things seemed to be going right. They weren't perfect, but they were good. Yeah. And God sends you in this boat and he sends you in the storm and things get really hard. And that voice of the enemy comes up and goes, did God really say? And you start to doubt. And I just want you to know, if you look for God, He will come out showing His mastery. He'll be walking on the storm that scares you. Yeah, He can show His mastery over that thing that you're terrified of mm-hmm. right now if you're in that season where it got really hard. Um, but so often we think it's going to be this perfect path to success. And yeah. God will take you the long way home <laughs> to do some work in you that can't yeah. be done any other way. Mm, that's so good. And it's so true. And, and I think it is— we always want it to be the revival. We always want it For to sure. be the party on the shore. <laughs> the mountaintop all day. <laughs> but I know myself, my strength, what I'm capable of, what he's doing in and through me so much more solidly mm-hmm. in a way that I can't ever forget. That's right. Because of the storm. That's right. And I think so many of us, if you asked us, would you want to go through that again? Like we'd be like, no, of course not. <laughs> no, thank you. But at the same time, I wouldn't be able to gain right. what I have gained that's right. any other way. So if you ask me, would I go through this again? I'm like, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I would. That's right. I don't want to though. So no, please, please <laughs> Lord, I know you're listening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christy, this has been such a wonderful time together. Thanks for having me. I'm so just so filled up by the things mm, that you've been thank saying. Thank you. Thank you. And at the end of every interview, I ask a guest the same question. Okay. And it is, if there was just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? 
it's just a few words and it's going to sound really simple, but I want to explain them. You're doing a good job. I remember being in the nursery when my um, son was, my first son Carter was born and we had an emergency C-section. Nursing was a nightmare. We weren't sleeping. It was just a really hard, uh, hard time. And I, there was one night when I was just crying my eyes out in the nursery with my son and my, my husband heard it and he came into the room and he just stood there and he watched us both cry and he said, you're doing a good job. And I cried harder because I wanted that to be true. But what was so beautiful about his words is it wasn't, you're doing a great job. You're doing an awesome job. It wasn't a compliment. It wasn't a surface level compliment to make me feel good. He was speaking a a statement of truth into my life. And the only way to cut through the lies in our mind that we're failing, that we're doing a bad job, the only way to cut through a lie is with the truth. And so every single person listening right now, I want you to hear the truth in these words. You are doing a good job. It's not a surface level compliment. I'm not trying to make you feel good. You are doing a good job. And I want you to live from that truth and remember that, that regardless of how hard your days are, how bad your days are, how awesome your days are, you are enough for your child. You are a hero in their eyes. Even if they don't look like it, they will talk about you like I talk about my mom today because she is the reason I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And you are enough and you're doing a good job. I so appreciate that. I just need to hear those things so regularly, and I just really appreciate that. That's right. (laughs) Christy, I want to know if you would tell listeners about the book, about your resources, how they can stay in touch with you. Thank you. Yeah, so the devotional we've been talking about is called Living True, 40 Days to Get Back to You, and you can get that at RamseySolutions.com. You can get it at Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Um, I think we have the audio version coming out soon. I recorded that recently, which that'll be fun for people that don't want to. Hold an actual book. That's usually book. me. Yeah. Just listen, <laughs> listen like, when you're on the I'm go. I'm doing my walk, you know, you whatever. Go. And it's like, I'm just hearing your voice in my ear. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so yeah. So, I just, it's it's been such a treat to hear people spending time with God. Because the thing mm-hmm. I keep reminding everyone, I'm like, the power in this book are not my words, my ideas, my stories. The power yeah. in this book is the fact that you spend time with the living God and the Holy Spirit, time with Him. You don't need a week. You don't need a month. You don't even need 40 days. You need one minute in the presence of the living God, and that can transform everything. Mm-hmm. So good. Thank you so much yeah. for joining me today. This was fantastic. Oh, thank really you. Really appreciate it. I love it. Thanks. Having hopes and dreams has been something that's been difficult for me since the breakup of my marriage. And through this conversation and some other things that have happened, God has been gently reminding me that He has plans and dreams for me and that it's okay for me to start exploring what those things would be. Part of the way that I've been able to do that is getting back to understanding who it is that He made me to be and what I enjoy and where He's calling me to. And I have to say that has been very comforting in a season that is somewhat chaotic. I just pray that something that you heard in this conversation today would help you to get a greater sense of who God has made you to be and the plans that He has ahead for you. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly 
video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. Thank you.